to Laguna Presbyterian Church on this freezing cold morning. And especially if you're visiting with us this morning, we're glad that you found your way here through the ice and snow of Laguna Beach. Um, there, are, is, uh, uh, there should be at the uh, center end of each pew a friendship pad. We'd love to have you fill it out and let us know that you're here with us today, whether you're visiting with us or whether you're regularly here. And also within the bulletin, there's an announcement sheet. Um, you can see that we have a way that we are distributing our poinsettias after the next service. So if you have somebody that you think would uh, be cheered by receiving one of the poinsettias from church, you can come back after the second service and get one of those and take it to them. Um, also, there is on uh, New Year's Eve, we have a service at 5 o'clock with communion. You are all in, uh, invited to be part of that. And also you'll see that our Third Friday group is already advertising what they're doing in January because the Third Friday of January is coming up really quite quickly, January 15th. We are very privileged to have a speaker from World Vision International, Steve Haas, and he's going to be talking about what World Vision is doing with the children of refugees, uh, particularly in refugee camps, the children who in some cases are there for years at a time how World Vision is caring for them. It's a potluck dinner, and you can sign up for that today. And anyone who's welcome to be there, a part of that, you do not have to be a member of Third Friday to attend that. Anyone can come. Also, the flowers this morning are in honor of an anniversary, 65. Marvin Pat Drew, congratulations. Wow. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let us pray. O God of stars and stables, God of angels and shepherds and magi, we celebrate this morning your gift of the Christ child. Draw us today with Mary and Joseph into the mystery of your love. Give us place among the magi that we may see and adore anew the one for whom we have waited. Join our voices and our hearts with the heavenly host who forever sing to the glory of your name. Amen.
worship with the words of Isaiah the prophet, the gospel of John, and the Psalms. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Nations shall come to your light, and rulers to the brightness of your rising. The Word Word became became flesh flesh and lived lived among us, and and we we have have seen seen his glory, the glory glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and and truth. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together, they come to you. The abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you the young camels of Midian and Ephath. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and they shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Let Let the the nations nations be glad and and sing sing for for joy. joy. Amen. Church, let us stand and sing together joy to the world.
us be seated as we continue in worship. We three kings of Orient are. Come now to our time of confession. God of all flesh, in Jesus Christ you have immersed divine splendor and wisdom into human life. He is not repelled by the shabbiness of our lives, but seeks to redeem us. We confess our repulsion from those whose actions bewilder us, whose sorrow burdens us or whose good fortune somehow detracts from our lives. Our compassion is limited to those like ourselves. Our kindness is reserved for those kind to us. Our compassionate concern remains silent until our own little kingdoms are threatened. Oh God, forgive us, cleanse us of self-centeredness, and open us to the whole breadth and length and height and depth of your love manifest in all creation. We bring our personal and silent confession to the Lord. The grace of God has dawned upon the world with healing for all humankind. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May his glory fill the whole earth This is the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Amen. Haste to bring him law, church, the babe, the son of Mary. Why lies he in such mean state? Why lies he in such mean state? Scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Hear the word of God. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who is born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, He was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, 
are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may go also and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet out of Egypt, I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that they, he had learned from the wise men. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Thank you, choir, and all of the music staff. After a marathon of music, it seems, in the last weeks, uh, you're not like taking the week off or anything, you know? Everybody's pulling out all the stops today, even though they've been doing that for a month, probably, I think. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Um, and I said... And for all of, our music, all of our musicians who are also pulling out all the stops today, too, and for the whole month. Uh, it has been the tradition when our children were small in our family on Christmas Eve to practice the, uh, the uh, tradition of Las Posadas. So the tradition of Las Posadas in the Hispanic community is that uh, people would go from home to home uh, pretending to be Mary and Joseph and asking for a spot to come in to be able to have the Christ child born. And in many of the homes, they'd be told, no, there's no room, until eventually they would be let in to one, and that would be where the party would be that evening. Uh, we used to do that with our kids when they were small enough to dress up as Mary and Joseph, and they would wander around through the house and ask in each room uh, if they could come in. And each member of the family would be stationed in the room, and was, the job was to say, no, you can't come in here. Um, and... You know, some people really got into it. My father, uh, back in those days, would cover up his head and act like he was a really mean old innkeeper and say, well, you can't come here. It was a lot of fun for kids on Christmas Eve. And then, of course, they would end up right at a place where we had a box with hay in it and one of their dolls, and that would be where the stable was and where Jesus was born, supposedly. Kids think it's pretty cool, actually, I think, for a baby to be born in a stable. You know, with lots of hay, that sounds like a great adventure. I don't think they have any sense at all what that must have been like to be in a stable that night. Sounds like a really great thing. We never had wise men in our Las Posadas at our house, I think probably because we just didn't have enough family members to be wise men. So, you know, that part didn't make it there. And certainly, when we do have children's programs and we have the story of the wise men, we end the story of the wise men before the end as we read it today. They don't quite ever hear that last part, do they? When God invited the wise men to come and visit his son and worship him, he used the language that they would understand. He used the language of the stars. The ancients were very interested in astronomy and astrology, which for them were very close together, and particularly the relationship of celestial events to what was going on on earth. Many people in the ancient world believed that when something was happening on earth that was important, it would be able to be seen in the stars, that somehow there would be some disruption in the normal night sky and you would be able to tell that something important was happening on earth. So an unusual thing in the sky would mean to look for what was that important thing going on on earth. It was widely thought that the birth and the death of great leaders would be marked by something that was in the sky. In fact, they report that there were strange lights in the sky before the birth of Alexander the Great and before the birth of Caesar Augustus. So people knew that those things up there in the heavens meant something was going on on earth. They would not have been surprised at all for there to be a star that would be heralding the birth of the king of the Jews. It's exactly what they would expect would happen for a king. Scientists have long wondered what that astronomical event was. What, what was it that they saw, that they called a bright star, and that they talked about being able to follow? Some people think that perhaps it was a supernova. Um, others think that perhaps it was Halley's Comet. We do know that it was in that area, about 11 BC, but that seems to be too early for the birth of Jesus, so probably that's not what it was. They also think that um, because around that era, for several times, Jupiter and Saturn were lined up in a certain way to look quite different in the sky, that very likely that's what the wise men saw, because they thought at the time that Jupiter was the royal planet, and that Saturn represented the Jews. So somebody could put those together and say, that light must be something about the king 
of the Jews, perhaps about to be born. It would be the most natural thing for those who studied the skies to put those things together and to figure out that that's what was going on. The Magi that we read about were students of the stars. Most likely, they came from Persia, which would be our Iran, and they were considered at the time to be a priestly class. I'm sorry to tell you they weren't kings, and so all of our songs about kings, not really quite right, <clears throat> but they were a priestly class, more likely. They, there, were quite, there was quite a range of people that were considered to be Magi. There were astronomers and astrologers, and there were fortune tellers and magicians, and some of them were outright charlatans, but others were pretty much as scientific as you could get at the time, pretty legit. We assume that these were those. They do say that some of the astronomers at the time were women, so maybe it wasn't three wise men. There could have been a few women there amongst it. Now, some, someone, of course, has said for uh, many years that if it had been women, they would have arrived in time to deliver the baby and they would have brought practical <laughs> gifts. Practical gifts like uh, casseroles and disposable diapers, you know, and that sort of thing. The gold and frankincense and myrrh that they brought actually were the right gifts if they thought that they were coming to the birth of a king. Because that's exactly what you would have brought at the time for a king or even for a god. They knew what they were supposed to bring. That was the appropriate gift, as strange as it seems to us. The picture of Magi coming from a long ways off to bring such a gift as that would also not be a strange thing in that world. Because just a few years before, when King Herod had completed one of his great cities with a great harbor that was a cutting-edge thing, there had been envoys coming from many nations around the area bringing gifts to him to celebrate that. It was the sort of thing that people did. We don't really know how many wise men there were. I just read wise men, and the word is actually magi. Um, they, we say there are three because there were three gifts, but eh, there could have been, what, a hundred? We don't know. Really, nobody knows. So all of the songs that are about the wise men are probably ones that are all weird and wrong, but I don't think that you can sing, uh, edit, sing it any other way. I've been thinking about how you could sing Magi instead of Wise Man. I don't think it's going to quite work for us. So all sorts of tradition has grown up around the Wise Man that probably is not exactly the way it was. If we had been Matthew's editors, I think we probably would have ended the story where it ends for most of our children's stories. We would have ended it with the Magi bowing before the baby Jesus, offering their gifts in adoration. And we would have kept Herod's reaction completely out of the story. But not Matthew. He tells us a grittier, much more disturbing story, one that we would really rather not hear just a few days after Christmas. Herod the Great was the Rome-appointed king of the Jews, and it was into his court that the wise men came. He was a brilliant political survivor. In all the twists and turns of power in Rome, he just always managed to land on his feet. For 40 years, he had been able to impress every Roman leader about his great ability to lead Judea. And they depended on him to lead that out-of-the-way but very important border area. He was also one of the greatest rulers of the ancient world. He reproduced the might and the grandeur of Rome there in Judea. And in many cases, he out-glorified what had been done in Rome. He built seven palace complexes for himself, and every one of them was larger than the ones that Caesar had in Rome. In Judea at the time, you couldn't walk down the road without seeing something that he had built. 2,000 years later, every place you go in the Holy Land, you see remnants of his building projects. There are cities. There's the temple in Jerusalem. There's a cutting-edge artificial harbor that he made. There are fortresses and amphitheaters and aqueducts and roads, all of it done by Herod, 
in what was truly his brilliance in building. He was a great administrator, too. There were so many more jobs in the area because of all of his building projects. People were employed. The economy improved. The trade improved. Things were kind of stable under Herod. However, he was also self-absorbed, power-hungry, and an oppressor. And the last few years of his life, his cruelty accelerated with an atmosphere of repression and terror and spies everywhere. Executions were routine. He killed 300 public servants on suspicion of a conspiracy against him. He, know what, he knew what it took to survive politically, and he would stop at nothing to keep himself on top. His family was not immune. He killed at least one wife, an uncle, a mother-in-law, and three of his sons. In the story in, that we read today, we meet him at the very end of his life. He will not live more than another year. And he is at the very height of his cruelty. When the Magi appear innocently asking about where the rival king is about to be born. Herod has such a long track of survival. And now in his raging paranoia, he recognizes exactly what is true about this baby, that he is a threat to the power structures of the world, that he is a threat even to the authority of Herod himself. He the, this baby comes as God's chosen king who is going to bring peace and justice and his kingdom, and that will rival Herod's. If he is king, Herod is not. So Herod gets it enough about Jesus that he knows that he must eliminate him. The story would have just been so much more Christmassy if we just could have left Jesus in the manger, with his greatest difficulty being the inconvenience of having to be born there. If the Magi had just never blundered into Herod's court, asking for directions to find the newborn king, if we could just leave Herod and his death squad out of Christmas... But Herod is important to the Christmas story because he reminds us that Jesus entered into a world of brokenness and political oppression. That before the Prince of Peace could walk or talk very much at all, he found himself as a homeless refugee with a price on his head, fleeing a mass murderer. N.T. Wright has pointed out that if he is to be Emmanuel, God with us, he needs to be with us in the pain, in some of the worst places possible in our world. Where is God? In the tragedies of our world? In the tragedies of our life? The story of Herod tells us where he is. He is right there in the midst of it with us. In Jesus, God has skin in the game, even in the worst possible situations. He is right there fleeing in a world of terror where people desperately long for safety for themselves and for their children. The story is important as much as we don't want to hear it because it tells us that God has not stood back at a distance from us, that in Jesus God has joined himself to our very stories, even to the very worst parts of our stories. That he did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for us all. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O holy child of Bethlehem, Prince of Peace, born into a world of conflict. Have mercy on planet Earth. Wherever there is fear, wherever there is injustice, wherever there is no hope, come anew with healing in your wings. Amen. We bring to the Lord our morning Just offering. Just another homeless family 
stand and sing together what child is this so bring him incense gold and Father, we praise you. Let the heavens be joyful and the earth be glad. We bless you for creating the whole world, for your promises to your people, and for the life we know in Jesus Christ, your Son. You've called us to be the church of Jesus Christ. So as we approach this new year, keep us one in faith and purpose. Let our lives reflect your love. And so return to you all praise and glory by all that we say and do. Lord, we thank you that you not only take an interest in our daily lives, but that you care and intercede for us by your Holy Spirit in all that we are and all that we have. And so in this time of silence, we pray that you would hear our private requests. We pray now that you will use these gifts that we offer to enhance our work for your glory. We ask that you would accept these offerings that we bring to use them to accomplish your will to the glory of Christ. We ask this now in his name. Amen. You may be seated.
Jesus said people will come from east and west and north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God. And so we come this morning with wise men to present ourselves to receive the great gift, the presence of the living Christ in our lives. Our hearts are filled with thanksgiving, with the mystery and the wonder of this Christmas season. And we are so grateful for the gift that comes to us, symbolized for us in the broken body and in the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O Lord our God. You have increased our joy by sending to dwell amongst us your Son, a wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace. God of very God, true King over all, he was born amongst us, coming in weakness as a tiny baby, born to humble working people, into a world of conflict, and yet announced in the stars of heaven and visited by magi. He lived for you, spoke your truth, showed your love, and gave himself for the salvation of the world. Merciful God, send now in kindness your Holy Spirit to settle on this bread and cup and fill them with the fullness of Jesus. And let that same Spirit rest on us, converting us from the patterns of this passing world until we conform to the shape of him whose food we now share even as we pray together for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body given for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. In like manner, after supper, Jesus took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood. As often as you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would uh, our elders please come and join with us here? Our ushers will bring you a row at a time. We invite you to take a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup, and commune, and prayerfully return to your seats until all have been served. Let us worship the Lord.
and go tell it that he was born into a world of great pain. That he was born right in the midst of the pain of our lives and the pain of our world. That he has joined himself to us to become part of our kind of world and to walk with us in that kind of world. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Amen.